Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 220th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of the Windsor Wonderland, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop and Sean Wesniewski of the Corner Workshop. Tonight, we're talking to Katie Thompson, a woodworker and enthusiast that created Woman of Woodworking to spotlight women's work and art in the craft. So, welcome, Katie. Nice Hi, to have you on board. Me. <laughs> so, I guess we'll get started with what's in the shop. So, uh, Diami, how's the uh, fence coming? Um. <laughs> Clearly, you don't see what I post because I've abandoned the fence. <laughs> no, I did. I did see your. Uh, I did see your post on the uh, entertainment center, but I thought that might have been uh, previous to our last podcast. No, I'm. I'm posting in real okay. time here. I'm not sophisticated okay. enough to have like uh, B-roll and saved up footage. Oh, this okay. Is, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. Um, the family's priorities have changed, and. What we worked out is I was about to put the entertainment center back down the basement for the season because these slabs are too big to apply finish to inside the garage. But what we realized is that I could finish them over the Christmas holiday because our office closes between Christmas and New Year's. Mm -hmm. So I could crank the heat up in our warehouse at work and lay all of the components of the entertainment center out and pre-finish everything. Um over that Christmas break instead of having to wait till the spring. So now the rush has been to get them ready to apply finish as quickly as possible. Um, So over this past weekend, I sanded the epoxy off two more of the, of the horizontal slabs that are the main components of the entertainment center. So um, what I had done previously is applied a thick epoxy, like parge coat to the the top surface and the outside edge to fill in all the little pores so that once I apply finish, it ends up being nice and smooth instead of all the little voids that you get with the timber strand. Mm -hmm. And sanding that off is a pain in the butt. And I hadn't, I did the first one, I don't know, six months ago. So I didn't remember the exact regiment of what I was doing to get it off when I came, started the second one on Saturday. So I had mm-hmm. to relearn the process and dial it back in. But what I've been doing is hitting it with a 36 grit 4x24 belt sander mm-hmm. and then 36 grit in a 6 inch. Um, it's not a random orbit sander. It's more. It's a more aggressive sander. It's the, it's, I have the rigid 6 um, inch sander that it's not quite a Rotex, but you can oh, see yeah, it's a more aggressive mode. So it's a, yeah. it's a 36 grit pad in the aggressive mode. So you like that sander? It's not bad. Um, okay. It's a better value than the equivalent Festools. Um, mm. It works It works very good. Um, it's not quite as aggressive as a Rotex, but mm-hmm. um, but it's a it's a perfectly good sander. And for whatever it costs, like $110, $120, it's, it's not a bad deal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use that to kind of get – that switched it from the track marks of the belt sander to this spiral pattern – of the random or of the of the orbit sander, let's call it. Um, then I switched. That was 
36 grit, so I switched to 40 grit paper because that was the. Of course, all this silly festival sanders take different paper because the whole patterns are entirely right. different. And all things being equal, the festival paper is not a. It's not overpriced like the sanders are. The, the paper is actually a pretty good value, I think. But you have to use their paper. So. The, yeah, uh, I well, I've given up on their paper and started using the. Um, what's the? the um, yeah, the Abernet. That's the Merca. The yeah. Merca Abernet. I've yeah. toyed with the Abernet. I think yeah. I like their paper better. Really? Yeah. I, I just. I've had, is it Diablo that, Diablo that just brought out like six, maybe five and six inch mesh pads? Yes, Diablo came out with their version of the Abernet. Mm-hmm. Which I right, have yeah. some kicking around here. I've not actually used it, so I can't speak to how the Diablo works versus the Abernet. But I've mm-hmm. tried the Abernet against the Festool paper, and I think I think the Festool does a better job. I'm not going to say the, okay. the Abernet doesn't do a nice job, but I think I I think the Festool works a little better. Okay, um, but Fair enough. regardless. I don't have coarse Abernet, so the the coarsest festival <laughs> pads uh, discs I had were forty grit. Yeah, so I yeah I don't know on, if Abernet goes down to thirty six. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I put them on my uh, the six inch random orbit, not the Rotex, but just the regular random orbit one. Yeah, and I went over the surface with that, and that got it. It's coarse, but there's no sanding swirls in it. So now I can just normally sand it. I don't have to do any more material removal or any scratch removal or anything like that. Um, so that's where the flat sections are of the two pieces I worked on over the weekend. And then they've got the bull nose around the outside. So around the outside, because I wanted to make sure that the epoxy was all proud of the surface and I didn't have any slight uh, divots when I sanded it all back, I put the epoxy mm. on really heavy there. And it was almost sharp. You know the way if you like glob epoxy on something, it leaves like yeah. sharp edges? So I took... Um, the the linear sander with the half round pad, and I went over those edges just to knock the edges off and, and dull them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that, and then I went to the Rotex with uh, probably forty grit. I actually wrote it down. I have my regiment in here somewhere. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. forty grit in Rotex mode, and I used that to sand off all the epoxy and I went to a Rotex in that situation rather than the rigid because with the fest tools, I have the interface pads. Mm -hmm. So the interface pad, you still get a little bit of flattening, but it handles the curves much, much better. So I got all the epoxy off the curve and then I went back to the linear sander with the half round and that took out all of the little flats that the Rotex left. So Mm -hmm. now I have three of the four horizontal slats are all the surface epoxy is sanded off them and they're ready for normal sanding. Um, today yeah. I bought 24 grit belt sander belts because so uh, they'll be even faster to get the epoxy off. Yeah. At the th- with the 36 grit belt, it still takes quite a while to get through all the epoxy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that I'll, st- I'll then have to follow it with the 36 grit belt, but I'm hoping that speeds things up with the more aggressive belt. And so, th- so there's one more to sand. But then the last thing is the top one. I have to apply a second coat of epoxy because not on the bull nose, but on the horizontal surface, there's little spots where the epoxy is not quite proud with the surface and it's a little divot. And I want mm. the top one to be glass smooth. The ones that fit underneath it, you're never really going to see them, so it doesn't matter. But the top one I want to be perfect. So I have to just apply another coat of epoxy to the top. And what I've realized is I don't know when it was yet last year, year and a half ago when I was applying the epoxy, I had mm-hmm. this whole setup going and I had a, I 
I think it was a piece of wood. It might have been a piece of paper that I wrote down all the stuff. It was like this many pumps of part A, this many pumps of part B, this many tablespoons of the glass filler to thicken the epoxy, and this much dye to add to the epoxy. It's the four components. And I don't know where it is. So <laughs> I got to do a little bit of experimenting and, and figure out what I'm doing with the epoxy again. Um, I presume the epoxy has not gone bad. I'm using the total boat epoxy, which worked out very nicely. It's the big, mm-hmm. like the big gallon jug with the pump, like this. Uh, West, yeah, like the West. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and they've been in my shop. It's never frozen. I think they're still okay. Um, I have. I'll mix them. I'll find out, and then I have to do a little bit of experimenting and, and figure out what the right formula is. If the color's a little off, I don't really think that'll matter because uh, the whole thing's gonna get dyed anyway. Um, so that was the better part of Saturday and Sunday doing all that stuff, uh, around, you know, family commitments and whatnot. It's probably only about eight, nine hours of actual work, but that's, that's what I, that's what I've been doing in the shop. I was going to ask with, with your regimen, how long it took and okay, that makes sense now, but with the low grit you're doing, at what point can you just not skate this stuff over your driveway, standing on it to do about (laughs) the same thing? Um, if I had a way of, of sliding a 12-foot-long board across the driveway, it'd be fine. I'm actually at the point where I have to have my son come out and help me move them in and out of the garage one at a time. Okay. All right. Well, so are you happy with the smoothness of the surface, the epoxy filled and filled I, I am, it in? I'm quite happy with it. Um, okay. It, it, it left the tiniest little spots where the epoxy is not flush with the adjoining wood. Okay. Um, and like I said, on most of these slabs are going to have another slab six or eight or 12 inches above them. So yeah. you'll never really notice that the epoxy isn't perfect on those lower slabs. On the mm-hmm. top one, as if I want it to be perfect. So I have to mm-hmm. do a little bit of touch up. But um, in all reality, I probably could, could avoid doing a second coat. And no one would ever notice unless I actually brought it to their attention. Um, I think it did a, it did a nice job. Okay. Um, also, cool. I just want to give uh, Total Boat. I was talking to them uh, over Instagram, and them and Kadea dies, and both of them were making recommendations because, of course, I'm thinking about the next thing I'm going to do with the epoxy to dye some timber strand differently, and they were both making recommendations for uh, different dyes that I could add to the epoxy. So, um, both companies seem to be very workable, and uh, I at this point I would absolutely recommend the Total Boat stuff. And the Kadea die seems to be nice, but I've not used it quite yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. So you're not you're not an absolute pioneer in trying to dye epoxy colorful, vibrant colors. No, apparently I'm not. Um, I, I, right. I haven't talked to anybody who uses it to pour fill timber strand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair. yeah, they might be used to different applications. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting. But I, when I'm actually done with the project, I don't know what I'm going to use as a desk out here in the shop. Table saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Kyle, what well, are you up to? Uh, well, what I'm up to is another stool prototype, and this one's just for me. Um, I just can't get away from the stool, so I was doing some searching and uh, saw a couple of posts, and uh, all of a sudden I said, let me look at the... Uh, Tate Freed, um, three-legged um, stool. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that, but it's kind of unique. It has kind of a, um, for lack of a better 
better words, a, a rectangular seat that's long and kind of bent that mm -hmm. you would actually sit on. And then it's got like a little connector piece to that and then like a short little back support. And um, it's got two, it's got one leg in that little back support piece and then two legs for the stool in the, um, in the actual kind of square part that you sit in, but it's kind of curved. But I saw that and I went, oh, that's cool. And uh, uh, quickly found out that it is in uh, Tegfried's uh, third book. You know, he has that series, um, How to Learn. I forgot what it was actually called. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I didn't okay. ramble long, take, long take enough for free, you to be prepared. Just woodworking. Okay, okay. So um, anyway, so I went, all right, great. Let me see if I can find that book. And I go, I know these books are available at libraries. They're out of print. It's a Taunton book, but I believe it's long out of print. And, uh, of course, my library had books one and two, but not number three, where this one was. <laughs> Well, where the design for this is, I went, okay, well, three has a bunch of his designs, not just a stool, but a bunch of tables and cabinets. I go, all right, it's probably worth buying. So I was able to find a copy on Amazon for, I don't know, 25, 30 bucks. So that wasn't bad. Um, actually came from the library. Uh, <laughs> they were selling the book. So um, it's a real excellent condition, I must say. But uh, so I looked at that book and I really like the design. I think I'm going to, uh, modify it a little bit, of course, but, um, legs. um, well, actually, um, lengthen the legs probably. Well, he has, he actually made the stool so he could do three different size sizes from like a normal, say chair height to uh counter height to bar height. Now, so, um, it has a back. What makes it a stool yeah. versus a chair? Um, because he called it a stool. Fair enough. <laughs> you could call it a high a three-legged high chair i guess if you wanted to um but um yeah i think uh i'm gonna i'm gonna play around with the designs i got a bunch of concepts working in my head um on how to incorporate that along with some of the windsor type stuff i like to do mm -hmm. so um probably starting tomorrow i'm gonna start you know just uh draw on some stuff and see if I can find out something I like and then, uh, then dive into it. So Very that's good. what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I know last time I mentioned about doing some Christmas gifts. Those are still on my list. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how they, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Maybe somebody actually, wants a prototype stool. I need to go yeah, get some burning blank somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so Yes, this definitely needs. I need to go, and this is the perfect weather to go out to our lumber yard because uh, normally when I go out there, it's like ninety-five degrees and ninety-five percent humidity, and it's absolutely dreadful. So this is perfect time to go out there. Now it's a little cooler, but that's what's going on in my shop. So Sean, what about you? Before oh. we move on to Sean, can I ask you a question? Oh, please, about the sure. Sure. Uh, sorry to you just passed me up entirely. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, then how about this? Uh, Kyle, Sean has a question about the stool. Let me voice it for him since I'm looking okay. at pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Sean's a little shy, so yeah. Yeah, right? right ahead. <laughs> the, the seat section of the stool is yeah. kind of like a wide rectangle, and it's wide and not that deep. And then right. it in the middle, like the middle third of it, projects further back, and then the back comes up out of that. Yeah. So when you lean back, 
Does your butt hang out of those spots where there's no back? Like, it looks, it doesn't look comfortable. I know, I know. That's why I want to build it to see if it is comfortable. People seem to say it is comfortable. I think actually you set your butt on the wide rectangular piece. And yeah, I think it will hang a little bit. So you're kind of perched forward. You don't actually lean against the back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Maybe that's what makes it a stool. Yeah, so I have seen people actually sit on it uh, backwards too, and they say oh, okay, we'll sit that way that. also. Yeah, so um, it's and, real pretty. Uh, I I don't mean yeah. to knock the design; it just it doesn't look yeah. particularly comfortable. Yeah, and I went out to YouTube. You know, oh, YouTube's got to have something on there. Well, there's one guy uh, uh, of all his name. I think I believe is Chris Pine of all things, not to be confused with the actor, but. Um, he has like a three part series where he built it. And then there's another YouTube, um, out there where there's this Russian guy that's built one and he's going all through it. But, uh, you know, I can't really understand much of what he says. So I don't know. That's, that's the next thing I'm going to go, Hey, come here. Tra- I'm sure she's going to be thrilled about, tra- cause this guy like goes on and on for about 30 minutes on, on the stool. And I'm going, I'm sure she's going to be happy to translate. Um, but I mean, this guy is getting up on top of it, standing on it, you know, showing how strong it is. Jeez. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, I'm going to try to get my wife to see if she can uh, translate it for me. But, um, you know, that's probably about me translating uh, Mozart for her. So we'll see how that goes. Not bad. So, yeah, looking at, I mean, so those, it starts out as like eight quarter and then you just kind of bring it down. Yeah. It's got to be really yeah. thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, it, I think it's like eight quarter stock and you bandsaw the curve in there and then, um, you know, clean it up. So, you know, it, it looks fairly simple to build. Um, he, you know, he has mortise and tenon joinery joining that little back, uh, part to the actual seat. And then he uses, uh, some angled dovetails to, to do the, uh, actual, I guess, back rest, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I'm going to throw together a prototype. I'm just going to use dominoes. <gasps> no, I know, I know, I know. They should be fine. They should be fine. They're going to work fine. Yeah. But, you know, for a prototype, just uh, I'll just throw some dominoes in there and uh, see how it does. And I'll probably just build the whole thing out of uh, Poplar. But hmm. uh, I, I'm, like I said, I'm going to try to come up with the kind of using that design, but maybe a, a couple of tweaks to it and uh, see what I come up with. And we'll see. But anyway, so Sean, so what's going on in your shop? Nothing. I just got Nothing. back from a, a swim banquet. And when do I have time to do any work? I'm going out of town this weekend. Uh, it's a sad story. A swim banquet? Yeah, it's like a beginning of season meet the team thing. Uh, beginning of season? I thought y'all would be doing like ice hockey this time of year. No, no. So there's never bad weather inside. Ah. So you, oh, <laughs> okay. you bring it indoors. Sure, if that were true, I wouldn't have a job. Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I don't miss working outside in the winter, and uh, I don't envy the fact that you get out there every once in a while yourself. But no, I'm, I wasn't kidding when I said you could just pass me off. Go for it. I got nothing. <laughs> okay, you got nothing. <laughs> All righty. Well, Katie, so uh, what are you working on? 
Well, this week in the shop, I am kind of getting my editorial calendar planned for the next year. Um, Women of Woodworking, that um, my project, I've revived it this past year and um, have kind of taken a little short break here towards the end of this year. And I'm looking forward to trying to introduce some new content, some videos and some photos. I'd like to do some some shop visits and shop tours. Um, so that's what I've been working on. And my studio is a mess. If y'all could see me right now, I am surrounded by um, cardboard boxes um, as I'm cleaning it out and getting it reorganized. So that's, again, not too exciting here either. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you want to plan some shop tours for mm-hmm. – these are the um, the artists that you're featuring in Women of Woodworking, I'm assuming. Right, right. Now, have you done video and shop tours before? I've looked through the site. I, I, I thought it was all basically written interviews and photos. So, yeah. So, I started off the project just doing interviews and photos, um, and I'm going to continue to do that. That is a great way that I can reach out to woodworkers all over the world and – talk with them and share their work. And so that, that will continue to be a a mainstay piece of the project. Um, I have done, I have a personal vlog and some other videos I've, I've done, um, on the side, not specifically for this project, but I would like to get some video content up there. Um, as you guys know, there are so many people out there in their garages and their little backyard mm-hmm. sheds and these really neat spaces and they have awesome stories to tell and I just want to get out there to them because if I know woodworkers they're not going to get out of their shop if they don't have to so <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh, so yeah so expanding it um, it's been kind of hard to get people on camera I've tried to do a few kind of just demo videos but um, again that's kind of what I'm planning right now is the future to make it more interactive is that particular to women woodworkers and i don't mean to single them out but as as you mentioned Mm -hmm. that and i reflect on our guests um we've had a a fair amount of, of female woodworkers on and all the guests we've had who have been reluctant to talk have been women um not 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 once we have the conversation. They've all been wonderful guests, but reluctant mm-hmm. to come on as a guest in the first place, I guess. Um, and I can think of a number of fantastic craftspeople who I'm many of which I'm honored to call friends, but they didn't want to to put the I, I didn't want to join us for the conversation. I guess I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if that's it. Hasn't been all of our female guests, um, but. I, is is that something particular? And I don't know if you, this is the direction I specifically wanted to go down, but it's a <laughs> it's something we've experienced in trying to bring on um, guests of all types. Sure. Well, from my experience, all of my subjects are women, so right. yeah, I, I can't really differentiate between the two. But um, that was the point of this project: is to make it more of a communal feeling. Um, when I started this project, there wasn't a huge representation of women um, in woodworking online. You know, we were we were out there woodworking and, and mm-hmm. doing our thing. Um, but the Instagram community, there were just some amazing ladies out there do mm. out there doing some great stuff. And I just wanted to create a project, kind of a landing page for it all to to go to. Um, and part of that mission is to 
get them out there, get them sharing their story, getting them to feel more comfortable. Um, I don't think it would be a stretch for me to say that woodworking is a male dominated field. Um, Mm. I think sometimes women get, I don't want to say put off, but um, we definitely don't want to be seen as a novelty item. And that is definitely something that we deal with in a lot of aspects of our life. But Mm -hmm. as far as woodworkers go, um, I, maybe that is one reason why women are reluctant to, to come on. Um, you know, I don't really know. I haven't really had that kind of, um, response. You know, it, like I said, it's hard to get people on camera, but overall I've had people be very enthusiastic and, um, you know, I send them surveys and, and they do it very quickly, you know, before I'm even ready to start writing the article. So I, I personally haven't had that. Well, you know, they probably just see pictures of us and say, no, don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> Many of them who, who are really, really reluctant to come on have actually met us. And- <laughs> well, maybe now they will. Who knows? Yeah, maybe you know? now that. Um, but but I, I think I've seen an explosion of women woodworkers in probably the last five years. And what I mean by that is I think they were always there. I just don't think they were. I, I don't I, I don't want to say that um, uh, self-promoting or anything like that. I just think it's been a more accepting attitude in the woodworking community in the last probably five years to now. I would agree with that. And, um, and that was one reason why, I mean, like this project started on Instagram and I just, you know, started throwing pictures up there, um, showing pictures of people's work. And then I started writing the articles alongside with it. So Mm -hmm. like you said, we were out there, but I feel like now we have platforms that make it easier for us to, um, pun mm-hmm. intended, come out of the woodwork and share, <laughs> yeah. share what we're doing and, you know, um, and to communicate. And now, I mean, you speak about the last five years. I remember when I started this project, now I, I look at a workshop of our own in Baltimore and that mm-hmm. is like completely female, um, non-binary run classes. I mean, it's just an awesome environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's so many places like that, um, around the world. And that's my, that's what I want to do. I want to find them and I want to share them because we're out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll just, let me throw this out right now that I think I speak for all of us when I say we are in full support of this um, and promoting um, as many female woodworkers as we can. But it's not, it's not a vernacular that we're familiar with. So if we trip over ourselves, I apologize. Um <laughs> Yeah, there there will be as little mansplaining in this episode as possible. <laughs> and that's probably a lot of things that, that kept women out there. As soon as they said, hey, I'm a woodworker. Well, guess what? Hey, do you know about this and this and this? I can just mm-hmm. see that happening. And I think I think those attitudes are, have radically changed because there are so many, oh, so many talented uh, uh, women woodworkers out there that, I mean, I mean, Oh, they're so so far more talented than I am, or or most of the uh, uh, woodworkers I know around here. I mean, I'm just thinking about people like um, Leslie Webb that I've met a, a couple of times, and and, uh, and uh, folks like her, and they are just simply fantastic. 
Well, yeah. it's inter- interesting you say that. Um, one of my questions, I kind of change up my questions between profiles because I, you know, want to get different information from different subjects. But one question I started out asking was, have you had any negative experiences as a result of your gender um, being a woodworker? And kind of, you know, what do you want to see for women um, in the future in woodworking? And a lot of women said, you know, I really don't feel like I've been treated any differently. I don't really feel like I've Mm -hmm. encountered any bias. And then, of course, there's the obvious stories like I can't go to the lumber yard without being called little lady. And, you know, <laughs> do I need any help? Um, well, they, they call me that, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so that does happen. Um, I think a, a big thing for women and and I applaud you guys and appreciate you guys having me um, on here. I mean, just giving us the platform to be able to say, hey, this is us and this is what we do and we just want to be a part of it. Um, as far as we're concerned, I, this is what we all do. And it's just right. another woodworker's voice, which is what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Right. Right. Awesome. So, yeah, but I feel very fortunate um, living outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Um, we have Mary May and Ashley Harwood down here, and they are both just phenomenal. And I just admire the work they are doing for women in the craft. Um, they travel around the world teaching and um, just the nicest nicest people too um it's it's been really a pleasure to get to know some of these women and to see some of the amazing work that they do mary for sure is is phenomenal i've I've had the chance to speak with her on a couple occasions and she is immensely talented and well-spoken and just i i don't know anybody who could not absolutely awe at what she can do it's amazing Oh yeah, and all the uh, all the people that she studied under, both in this country and other countries, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kyle, before we get too deep into this discussion, um, yeah, yeah, let me let me give the anarchist yeah, guide. Yeah, let me give a quick shout out here, but and we can delve more into it. Uh, just want to let our listeners know. Um, Chris Schwartz has his uh, annual anarchist gift guide. This is the 2018 and it's on the uh, popular woodworking blog. And just want to give a shout out for that. It's a, it's a neat blog post every year. So uh, I think he does about 12 posts, uh, you know, 12 days of Christmas type thing. I think he's on day five now, but uh, these are just little gift ideas. Um, you know, for the woodworker you may know or for yourself. And usually they're relatively inexpensive and uh, things that he uses in his shop. And uh, I usually find one or two, if not more, um, that, you know, say, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I might buy that. So far he's on. You didn't know you lived without? Exactly, exactly. And so far he's on day five and I've found uh, two things uh, to buy. One's already sold out and uh, the, the other one I bought. So, <laughs> so now uh, I have to ask, looking through, because there's only been five, yeah. what did you buy? A razor blade or? <laughs> like... No, no, no. I, actually, I knew that one. I, I have my la- lifelong supply of single edge razor blades, um, but I bought the uh, Wooby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta have a good 
It will be. Got a, I, I got one, um, and it's almost worn out. I saw that. And I'm like, that's a great idea. Let me buy that. So I bought that. And um, I think the last post was on these uh, these little small files for doing mm-hmm. uh, delicate metal work. You know, maybe opening a, or cleaning up a mouth of a of a metal ham hand plane or something of that nature and um yeah those are sold out yeah, <laughs> yeah so. I, I, I liked his little write-up on the the weather like floor mat as a sharp oh yeah stone yeah. holder yeah yeah that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah yeah he has a couple of ikea things one for chair makers and that's a uh and that's something i just need to go to ikea and take a look at but it's uh like some sheepskin that you can put in the bottom of your wooden chair to make it just a little more comfortable. Hmm. Yeah. My, and my chairs IKEA don't sells need that. Sheepskin. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hmm. I think it's like 30 bucks or something for one of these, which isn't bad. And, um, but, um, yeah, yeah. So I recommend that, uh, there'll be more posts coming, but, um, like I said, there's a lot of good, good ideas. And if you do find some good ideas, I think he's been doing this for five or six years. So you can go back and uh, look at other entries. There's, there's a lot of great stuff in there. Maybe some of the stuff he mentioned like three years ago was finally back in stock. Could be. Could be. Well, with that said, sure let's get to- subsided a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, without Dave Rofts out there to promote him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, so with that, let's get to our main topic. So, um, so Katie, before, um, I know we got a little bit, got started with, uh, uh, your, uh, women of woodworking project, but, um, if we want to back up a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in, um, doing the women of woodworking project. And, uh, I'll let you just take it away from there. Sure. Yeah, I got so excited and carried away. Um, <laughs> no, that's quite all right. <laughs> well, um, I guess I would call myself an artist at this point. I might as well. I make stuff, and it it looks like art. So, um, I uh, excuse me have had a career. Excuse me in nonprofit arts management and public relations and marketing. Um, I started out doing digital advertising and um, graduated from college right in like 2009 when the economy was just crap. So um, I pretty much had to make a way for myself. So um, I was actually running the Charleston Farmers Market in Marion Square in downtown Charleston. It's a really nice, neat farmers market. I was an assistant manager and um, we had artisans that were coming in. And would set up and sell and food vendors and whatnot. My husband, um, Joseph, he submitted to be an artist. And it's funny talking about three-legged stools. That was the um, stool he submitted for us to consider for him to be accepted to the, the market. And we we laughed looking at it. You know, it was just beautiful, stunning. I mean, I'd never seen anything like it before. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I thought, I just really don't like it. I just, how do you sit on it? (laughs) It doesn't look comfortable. It's like exactly what you said. Like, it doesn't look comfortable. There's no back. Um, What's the deal? Is this like a cockfighting stool? You know, what do you do? Um, So it it was just real funny. And um, eventually I I got to meet Joseph and kind of meet the man behind it. And uh, the rest of that story is is history. But um, 
my father is a hobbyist woodworker. So growing up, he was always kind of tinkering in his shop on the weekends, making coat racks and things like that. Um, so that's what originally kind of drew me into woodworking. Um, in fact, our kitchen dining room table, it is a table my dad built in high school and oh, it has you know, been at his parents' house and then my parents' house and now it's at my house. So woodworking has just kind of always been around. Um, so yeah. And, and meeting Joseph, it was just kind of a natural fit. Um, he didn't even have an email address whenever I met him and I was doing digital marketing. So I was like, Hey, let's work together. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I think that's how he finally got me to go on a date with him too. It was like, Hey, um, but we, we started working together and really from there, um, wood is just one of the mediums that I, I really enjoy. Um, there are a couple that I kind of tinker in, but wood just fascinates me. It's, it's timeless. It's amazing. And, um, it's just really inspiring. And to me, it kind of never dies, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's constantly moving even after you chop it up and make it into something else. And, um, it, I just, I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now writing is also a big part of your life too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've been a writer since elementary school. Gosh, I remember <laughs> entering essays into contests and whatnot. Um, but I've always been a big storyteller. And that's where I feel like this project really let me marry two things that I really liked, kind of the left brain, right brain, um, the creative side, but then also kind of the more analytical side of things and sharing the story and looking at concepts of design and um and just sharing what people do i mean it's the math that people do just to build a like a a single chair is is mind-boggling so um anything i can do to help share that process share you know where they get inspiration for doing what they do woodworking um it's not easy it's not a slow process and or excuse me it's not a fast process so it's very interesting to me as each woodworker that I see, you know, what motivates them, what wood species they like and, and why. Um, it's just, it, to me, it's like a fingerprint. Everybody's so different. That's very true. I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the cough syrup kicking in. I don't know, guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> that, always good. That's always good. So, um, so, you know, I think we, we talked a little bit about what inspired your uh, Women of Woodworking project, but, I mean, what was the impetus in, you know, when you were thinking about uh, saying, hey, we really need to get this out there. We need to really, you know, help, um, for lack of better words, market these women woodworkers out there and let, let the world know, know what's going on. Um, what was What really inspired you to start doing that? Right. Well... I guess just through traveling and um, meeting others, connecting with other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, the woodworking community itself has just become so much more open in the past five years. I think with social media, that really inspired me to try to, like you said, mark this moment in time. Okay, here's what women in this time here's what we were making. Here's what we were talking about. Here were the techniques we were interested in. 
here are the styles that we were working with. Um, I just would like to document that for people to be able to look at a hundred years from now. Um, and who knows, maybe it'll come back into style by then. Um, I just mm-hmm. felt that this was a really unique growth point that I wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of. And, um, you know, what my final end result for the project will be, I, I don't know. I'm kind of just letting it take a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started interviewing people and putting articles up on my blog. And then, you know, I get these followers and everybody was just super supportive. So I just kept doing what people were responding to and what I enjoy doing. So um, that was really what kind of started it off for me. Okay, great, great. Yeah, yeah, I think for all of the quote-unquote men-dominated hobbies or, or art craft or uh, vocations, um, everyone I've ever met in woodworking, you know, has been super, super nice. I mean, you know, there are some, you know, uh, bad apples in, in every bushel, but, um, for the most part, everyone is, is super nice. And as far as welcoming women, women into the, uh, uh, into woodworking and really helping promote them, I've seen nothing but positive throughout the community. Well, and, and I'm glad that you see that. I mean, from my personal experience, um, you know, it's Mm -hmm. other woodworkers are so supportive. Mm -hmm. We all want to we all want to talk. We all want to, you know, learn from each other. You know, it's mm. kind of if, if somebody's grumpy, they're grumpy to everyone. It's not just mm-hmm. women or men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, my personal experience um, early on when Joseph and I were showing our work together, I would have instances where people wouldn't even acknowledge me. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, my name would be on the wall, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, I get questions like, so do you help support your husband? Like, do you cook him dinner at night and, <laughs> and things like that? And, you know, it's, that's actually like pretty mild, <laughs> um, for probably what, what some women deal with day to day. But, um, so it, it does exist and, and, but I don't think it's necessarily like a woodworking, problem i think it is a, a yeah. obviously it's a larger issue mm-hmm. my realm is is woodworking and what i can do to make it a more positive space for everybody mm-hmm. i want to do that yeah and yeah and i think you know from my perspective it's probably the 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 woodworkers i hang around so you know if someone was was being crass or that kind of thing that's not the type of people i would normally hang around with i've just have not met uh, most of the woodworkers I've met have been very engaging, but I think uh, Diami and Sean will will agree that occasionally we meet some that are not the nicest of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for the most part, everybody seems to be, at least in the hobby community. Let me put it that yeah. way. Yeah. But could, could I go down that road for a second, though, um, Katie? Mm-hmm. My. I'm I'm a little conflicted because I'm certainly an outsider. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I have the um, call it the fortune of being a man. <laughs> Good, bad, or indifferent. That's the way it came out. Um, I, on the one hand, think that you know I clearly see having dealt with my sister, my wife, my sister-in-law, women in my family. Unfortunately, the world is not exactly equal. Um, as Kyle said at least in the circles we travel in in woodworking, 
I've seen almost exclusively woodworkers be open and welcoming to the women amongst our midst. And on a gut level, I feel that separate is inherently unequal. But I also feel like those who have more to struggle against, it's fair to give them some assistance. I say all that as a preface for what do you think of pink ladies' tools? <laughs> okay. <Uh-oh. laughs> I laugh because I'm looking at right now, my, when I went to college, my mom bought me this little like pink ladies' tool set. Mm-hmm. And we just laugh at it all the time because it's just <laughs> such a piece of crap. <laughs> you know, this is something that a lot of women, and especially the feminist movement, really we all have to deal with um, is intersectionality. My point of view is if you want to have pink tools, have pink tools. Put glitter on it. Put lights. I don't care. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um I just don't want anyone to be treated any differently for that, you know, because they want to have pink tools. I think pink tools are awesome. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. I say to, to each their own. And as long as you are not causing detriment to anybody else, be yourself. Well said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would rock some pink tools. I don't care. Saying. I have a set you can borrow. I don't know how sturdy <laughs> it is, but, but if, I can if, get it to you. It, the thing with me is, if they're crap, I don't want them. That's oh, you know, okay, okay. color them whatever the hell you want. I don't, I don't give a shit. You got to be careful though, Katie, because Sean has my nail gun, and it's been how many years, Sean? He's not very Ooh. good at giving tools back. What I is did... it about with, with woodworkers? You borrow tools and no, you no. hold them for a decade, uh, and it's no big deal. So one of us drove to Iowa, the other flew to Iowa, and when a nail gun was leaving Iowa, the guy who drove could bring it back, and it's just been in my basement ever since. Is, is it I my didn't, fault I, I live in an island in the, in the Atlantic Ocean? Come on. <laughs> no. Not TSA approved. Not TSA Not approved. TSA approved. <laughs> that was the same trip they took away my blue spruce mallet. Yeah. Whoa. I wasn't thinking. I put it in my carry-on. The TSA took it and destroyed it. <laughs> Wow. We've lost many pocket knives that way. Um, going yeah. into concerts, stuff like that, you just, it's something you carry on you all the time. You don't even think about it. Yeah. I got through TSA with the actual plane. I think I've told that story before, but <laughs> it was in my carry on. And the, I was leaving the woodworking in America and I'd bought something at the little woodcraft store that they had there. And uh, anyway, so I went through there. I totally forgot it was in my luggage. And they, of course, pulled it out. And I go, hey, I was at this woodworking conference. I bought this, you know. Hey, if I need to check it or mail it to myself, I will. And the guy goes, well, let me show it to my supervisor. And supervisor looks at it, un- unwraps it, looks at all the things, including the blade, and says, oh, this is just a woodworking tool. That's good. Let him wow. go. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I should have flown with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sitting there going, you know, a one-and-a-half-inch sharp blade. Yes. Yeah. Let him Compar- go. Compared to a resin-infused wooden mallet that fits exactly. in the palm of your hand. Like, really? <laughs> hmm. So, anyway. But, uh, but no, no, no. That's great. Um, so, it sounds like you're not exactly sure what the 
the finish line is for this project in that it's just kind of evolving and reacting to to people's reaction and enthusiasm is that is that the right way to take it that's correct i mean being a writer of course i'm always thinking at the end is this a book um what what does this end up being you know hard copy you know walk away with um i do know i've talked with a couple of women woodworkers who are interested in a book or compiling some stories um, into a book format. So that is always a possibility. Um, really for me, I building a network and just building a community where people can connect with other women woodworkers. I've actually a big reason why I brought the project back. I kept getting emails from, um, people, Hey, I'm looking for a woman woodworker in this area. Do you know of someone or can you suggest, suggest somebody, um, and so I definitely saw that there was a need there. So, you know, what it eventually evolves into, I'm not sure, but I hope it is something great. Well, great. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm in a hard time expressing myself here, but <laughs> You guys are a little tongue-tied, it is, little, and it's little, okay. Little I want to make sure I'm politically correct. No, um, but uh, no, no. I think I think it's great of what you're doing, and absolutely shining a light on the uh, on the women woodworkers that are out there. So I noticed that you you've done um, you. I think you've done at least one international uh, woman woodworker, or is is that correct, or is there more out there? Um, I've done I mean, a couple. I know there are more out there, but more that are coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, I've done a couple. Um, I've Kira James from England. I've also had from Scotland. Um, there are a, a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so and so that's, what's the attitude, the, the, uh, any, any adversity that they're facing outside of the U.S.? Is it, it, is it similar or is it different or, or what? That is a great question. Um, and that might be something I ask my next international <laughs> subject. Um, Vanessa Johnson, um, yeah. I just did a profile on her mm-hmm. and she's in Scotland and she's a fine work woodworker. And I really liked her perspective because uh, she was a student, you know, she was just graduating and kind of just starting her career. Um, so it would be interesting, you know, cause here I am in the deep rural South in um, the United States. It would be interesting to see how different challenges, um, how we approach different challenges mm-hmm. with our gender throughout the world. That would be interesting. Good suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause I, I notice. I mean, I, I'm just wondering, cause you know, there are a number of woodworking schools throughout the, uh, throughout the U S you know, Bennett. Uh, North Bennett Street and uh, College of the Redwoods and all of those. And it seems like there are more and more women in those classes, um, at least, you know, from from what I've seen uh, coming yes. out of the, those schools. And so I think that is absolutely fantastic. So I was wondering, you know, hey, you know, that's occurring. And I think that's also getting some more acceptance. The I guess the younger woodworkers are used to women quote unquote, being in their midst or being, you know, equal contributors to the craft. And I was wondering, you know, from an international perspective, um, you know, sometimes uh, the international folks are a little bit more 
progressive than we are. And sometimes we're a little bit more progressive than they are in certain traditional crafts. So I was just wondering how that played in. Sure. Yeah. Now that, that would be a great angle for me to explore yeah. in the future. Yeah. With your own work, Katie, um, <laughs> do you do much woodworking or is yours, is your work more tied to the jewelry you do? A, l- a little bit of both. Um, so I, like I said, I do woodworking, but it's one of the one of my mediums. Um, so I've actually done a children's woodworking book. So that way I kind of tied my writing and woodworking love together. It was um, Little Beaver Builds a Bed. So oh, yeah, yeah. That Tell us about that book. That. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, my longtime goal was to always write a children's book. And mm-hmm. that was just the goal. It didn't have to necessarily be about a specific topic. And once Joseph and I got married and we're kind of settling down, I was pregnant with our first child. And I thought this is a great opportunity for me to do this. Also, because um, some of the epoxy and stuff I work with, I wasn't really comfortable working with while I was pregnant. So I figured this was a good opportunity to get me out of the shop, but still be working on something I was passionate about. And I just wanted there to be a way for parents to show their children um, how to make things with their hands, emphasize the importance of working hard and building something together. And I had an awesome illustrator, Kristen Selecki. She's down in Charleston and it just all kind of fell together perfectly. And um, I had a Kickstarter campaign, um, uh, passed my funding goal. So that was amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, sh- I ship those books all over the world. i Got my proof copy the day I brought my son home from the hospital and then spent my maternity leave signing books and mailing <laughs> them out. Um, so it was just an awesome experience. And it's it's great to have. And um, everybody asked me if I'm going to work on another one. And I, I probably will. It was that much fun. Oh, uh, yeah, that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to team up with Roy because I think he wrote a fictional uh, woodworking book a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He Roy did. Underhill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, his came out shortly before before mine did, actually. Yeah. So, but um, as far as traditional woodworking goes, um, I haven't been in the shop as much lately. I did design a collection. I am an alumni of the College of Charleston. Mm-hmm. And they, it's a very historic campus, beautiful campus. Um, there's this one kind of center area of campus called the Cistern, and it's just iconic for all College of Charleston students. It's where graduation is held. It's, you know, on our logo. It's just, it's just a big deal. So they had a big um, laurel oak tree fall in that courtyard, mm-hmm. and um, nobody was hurt. So that was yeah. good. <laughs> Um, but then they called me and <laughs> wanted to do oh. something with it. <laughs> so we have some project wood for you. <laughs> we we have some wood for you. Um, but it was really it was really neat. Um, we went down and got the tree, and it's basically we still have half of it left. But um, I designed a small collection of men's cufflinks, um, an oyster knife, a bottle opener. Um, all with the College of Charleston logo out of that wood. So it's really special for alumni to have that 
especially for the bottle opener because Charleston is a big drinking city. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been a big hit. But um, Mm -hmm. all the proceeds went to um, student scholarships and alumni association programs. So that's been my like last big woodworking project. And that was last year. Yeah. How many um, of those items did you make? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) So that many, well, you were into full scale production then. (laughs) We we were. And, um, and it was a huge blessing. You know, we weren't really sure how people were going to respond to it. Um, and we put it out there and, within like 24 hours they had quadrupled what they had originally told me they needed. So, um, so it it was a big deal. Um, I, a couple thousand. Oh my. Uh, Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I probably blocked it out. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely understand. Yeah. So, um, Another thing that you do is you do do the jewelry. You have a collection called Black Swamp Jewelry, right? Or I a do. website. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that because that uh, I was perusing your your website and you have some fantastic stuff out there. Very very nice. Very nicely done. Very artistic. Thank you. Um, Black Swamp was another project that I started just kind of out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a ton of offcuts and scraps. And, um, I called Joseph a wood hoarder. He won't throw anything out. So we have these buckets <laughs> and buckets of these tiny little scraps. They're beautiful. I mean, you know, who wants to throw out, you know, a really nice, obviously you won't throw out a nice piece of ebony or something like that, yeah. but even a nice piece of curly maple or, or something. I just was seeing these, um, potential money, I guess, going down the drain. And I wanted to come up with a creative way to utilize those scraps. So I started making jewelry out of it. And um, Joseph, he originally started building wooden um, sailboats. So he kind of gave me a crash course in steam bending. So Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the sculptural, the cuffs and necklaces um, that comes from. And um, I really enjoy doing that process obviously because it's very hands-on but it's also kind of free form you know whatever happens happens and whatever it turns into it turns into and um it's it's been really neat and um it's just nice to make something out of nothing Mm -hmm. oh well that's fantastic so 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 your husband actually built boats then for a while well he he did he did um he started out, um, he w- went to college for two years and yeah. figured out that wasn't going to be his path and um, went to Silva Bay um, Shipyard um, School in um, British Columbia mm-hmm. and came back, fixed the one wooden sailboat in our county. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and you're now the new sailboat. There you go. <laughs> so he, he decided to go to furniture, so... Um, he, uh, he went into, um, the surfer furniture crash on the ship in Maine and, um, oh, has been doing furniture ever since. So, yeah. 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 That's great. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just wondering, I, I have, uh, looked at building my own canoe and, uh, sort of went, yeah, that's something I could do. And I've kind of, I've kind of 
gone down and done a little research and and found out like all furniture i could probably buy the canoe a lot cheaper than i could ever make it but <laughs> still Aren't you away from the coast anyway do they need canoes in hill country oh yeah we got plenty of rivers we got the brazos we got uh, oh yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a yeah that's that's where i'd actually use one i wouldn't use one around here yeah, they got a lot of lakes and rivers and and stuff out there in the hill country. So, but anyway, so I've been I've been kind of looking at that, but it's been one of those things. Oh, that's nice. I could probably do that, but the lumber to buy because yeah. you need to buy you know specific lumber, and there are manufacturers that will sell it to you, mm. and you look at the price they're charging, and you're going. Yeah, for about another thousand dollars, I could get a canoe already done. You can, but so. some of the kits are amazing. We we go to the yeah, Georgia they are every year. It's it's pretty neat. Yeah, it is neat, and I haven't looked at those kits. Uh, and like I said, I've just kind of dipped my toes in the water, so I could be totally off base. And you're saying, yeah, you're looking at the wood kits that are from these, you know you know people that are maybe gouging you but who no, knows that's, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not cheap at least the ones i've seen are not cheap. okay well yeah, maybe yeah yeah so i assumed i was on the right track i was going the whole offerman track so yeah i mean did, did, did you follow uh jimmy dresta as he was putting his together just in the no, last six I months or so i i mean it, it, he put it mostly on instagram but it was amazing to see I mean, it, the progress that he made because he did, you know, basically a one man shop and it took him forever and he, you know, whatever time he could find. But the, I mean, the, the slats of a strip canoe like that are so thin. I mean, it's, it's a, a utility knife is what you use to cut them. Yeah. It's, and then you lay it all up and then epoxy it and, or uh, not epoxy, but a fiberglass it. And, um, I think it's ready for water at this point, but it was, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Is that kind of small craft the stuff that Joseph was hoping to doing doing Katie or is that more or did he be more like the the current restoration that's going on of the Mayflower too that kind of big historic work? Um, no, he we have a day sailor that he built while he was in school. Okay. Um, so mm. so we have that. Um, but no, he has. I don't think he's done any big ships. No. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would know they they're they're hard to hide. <laughs> um, all right well before we uh before we move on i think if there's something else about uh your career and your art that we've skipped please let us know but as far as i'm aware the one thing we haven't really talked about too much um though we did mention the book was your writing um you came to the uh the children's book it's um beaver builds a bear is that the book uh, little beaver builds a bed. Little beaver builds a bed. Beaver doesn't build a bear. That doesn't make sense. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope you know the name of your book better than I do. Um, what What brought you to writing? I'm not really sure. Now that you asked that, um, like I said, growing up, I just I always kind of had a thing for it, and um, there I spent my childhood in Texas. I heard someone mention Brazos earlier. So I was like, Hey, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's me, Kyle. I'm, <laughs> I'm in, uh, I'm near Galveston. Okay. Where I live. Yeah. All right. But, um, I, you know, I, it's just, it, it was kind of always my thing. It was always like my gifts where, you know, like my husband's is woodworking. Mine has been writing and, um, really, 
growing up, you know, out throughout high school, everybody said, oh, you need to be a journalist. You need to do this and you need to do that. Um, I always knew that I just wanted to write stuff that I was passionate about. Otherwise, it would suck the life out of me. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's something I've always kind of held dear to my heart and um, putting my stuff out there on a, on a personal level with the blog and things like that is um, it's been really good for me. And, and like I said, it's, it's just nice to tell other people's stories. I get very wrapped up in, um, in why people do the things they do. Um, in college, I majored in communications and minored in history and um, I was always really interested in communication theory, um, symbols, why we say the things we say, um, how our messages get misconstrued, you know. Um, I've always been really interested in that language side of things. So writing is just, it's just always kind of been my thing. And I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, some days it's better than others, but... Um, for the most part, I'm grateful that I have the ability to to put things, put thoughts into words and share these ideas because that's not something that um, everyone can do. But it's it's the way knowledge and wisdom and how we've kind of learned, you know, mm-hmm. going on through the ages. So I, I feel kind of honored that I have that that little skill. So I feel like I need to use it. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. So um, tell me. I have to ask this. So where'd you grow up in Texas? <laughs> well, I, you mentioned Galveston. I was born out. I was born in Sweeney. Um, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, but I lived, um, was born in Sweeney and then, um, I lived in Lubbock for a few years. Oh, on the plateau. Yes. And then, they um, got snow, I think, uh, today or yesterday. That wouldn't surprise me. We'd always get snow at like Easter or something yeah. random. Um, so I, we lived there for a few years and then also in Granbury, Texas, which is mm-hmm. um, really what I call home. I still have a lot of good friends from there and um, have stayed in touch with them over the years. My dad um, is in healthcare administration. So kind of every three to five years, the contract would be up. You go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's eventually how I ended up in South Carolina. Okay. And, uh, so yeah, but I am, I'm a Texan at heart. That is for sure. Well, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, I'm in healthcare too. too. I work at MD Anderson here in Houston. So, well, that's where my dad worked. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh boy. <laughs> You're not in no, so y'all talk, <laughs> y'all talk amongst yourself. Me and Katie are going to catch up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, well, well. Thank you so much for for joining us. Is there anything? Um, I know we 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 tried to structure our questions around uh, things that we thought that you know you wanted to talk about. But is there anything we haven't mentioned that you would like to uh, inform our listeners about? You guys, you know, y'all did your research. Y'all knew about all of my different <laughs> projects. Sometimes I laugh. I'm like, I I look like a chameleon because I do so many different things. Um, no, really, I just thank you guys for having me on here and to talk about this project. Um, there have been times where I have gotten comments from people. Why do you need to have um, a separate project for women? Why are you setting yourself to the side? Why, you know, this... 
this mm-hmm. is unnecessary. You're bringing politics in, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm, I'm not really here to stir controversy. I'm here to share and lift up other people's work mm-hmm. and other people's stories. And I really appreciate you guys doing that. And um, if you need help getting women on your show, let me know. I know a couple of women woodworkers might be able to help you out. Oh, fantastic. So, so yeah, but, um, and thanks for toughening it out with me and my um, frog in my throat. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, no you're fine. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, uh, before we close things out, let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices. And um, I'll start so that uh, Diami, I don't think he can give me any hell about this one. But anyway, so I'm uh, I'm drinking a Shiner Bach, and it's called Holiday Cheer. So since it's really not a Christmas ale, it's a holiday, it's a holiday ale. ale. Oh, boy. Okay. You know what, Kyle? I'm going to give you a pass on that, as it, it's the week before Thanksgiving as we record this. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I'm going to forget close. the fact that you're about two or three weeks too early to drink this um, <laughs> because I'm going to save my wrath for Sean's choice. Yeah. Yes. But, please. But, but, um, but, but it's an old world, and I'm going to mispronounce this uh, Duncan Wisen. Oh, okay. It's a duck. Uh, yeah. 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 And it's brewed with Texas peach. Uh, easy for me to say Texas peaches and roasted pecans. Hmm. So, uh, and it's actually very, very good. Uh, Shiner's kind of a big brewery. It's not really a craft brewery anymore, I don't think. Um, I think it's available nationwide, pretty much. It's kind of, I guess... Um, we, get the, we get the Shiner Bach up here, but not much of the yeah. other ones. I've heard many yeah, yeah. things about the yeah, other they, beers they make, and mm-hmm. they don't really come up here, but I certainly see mm-hmm. regular Shiner Bach up here all the time. Yeah, yeah. I gotta, yeah. I gotta it's check because they're like Boston. It's kind of like Boston Lager. I mean, we get that. And we get a lot of their seasonal stuff, but probably not all the varieties that they make. But yeah. uh, as, but no, as, this is actually very good. It's very tasty. As my store last I visited was inundated with all the Christmas beers. Um, I saw festive Shiner box boxes. I'm gonna guess it was their holiday stuff, but I'll look a little closer next time I go in there to see maybe pick up some. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a it's a real good beer. It's fairly light. It's only like five point four percent, so it's mm. it's good. Nice, Tiami. What do you got? Or do you want me to go so you can give me help? No, uh, let's lead with a real beer before we go into what you got. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been on a on a six points kick for a while, but I'm back to uh, an old favorite of Dogfish Head, and tonight I'm drinking the Liquid Truth Serum. Which is uh, it's dogfish head, so of course it's another IPA. Um, this is a very hoppy one, and it's a it's a smooth hoppiness. Now, of course, it's an IPA. Of course, it's hoppy. Um, but they talk about how they put it in whole leaf, liquefied, pelletized, and powdered. Um, it's bursting with all the hops, and <laughs> considering how much hops they put in the damn thing, it is not that hoppy it it's hoppy but it's not over the top um mm-hmm. like some of them can be so i think they do a nice job of balancing it i don't know personally i've been kind of in i've been in the mood for a dank ipa lately and i haven't really been able to find any since i haven't been to vermont in a while um but while it doesn't have that much dankness uh it's a nice bright hop, hoppy ipa hmm. i nice. like that one that one it's good it's, it's good i'll look for it I'll look for it. Yeah, we get a lot of the dogfish head down here. I'll look for it. 
I may have may may or may not have already told you this, Kyle, but what you really need to do with Dogfish Head is make your own seventy five minute by mixing oh, yeah. the sixty and the ninety. Yeah. You can no, buy I just it. I just go straight one twenty. The one twenty mm. is good, but oh my god, is it it's like twenty percent, uh, I think, it, it something is, like that. It's it's that, but it's <laughs> it's it's boozy. Like it almost tastes like um, it tastes like liquor. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a well, bit much. Uh, yeah, it is a bit. But if you well, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say if you buy the seventy-five minute, they put maple syrup in it, which makes it a little bit too sweet. I much prefer mixing my own than the than the bottled version. Yeah. Hmm. Well, right, I kind of like to say, have I'm done drinking for the night. What are you going to recommend? <laughs> uh, I can't recommend anything. I just pulled a Miller Light out of my fridge as I walked downstairs. That's that's the truth. It's the Miller matter. time. It's Miller time. It's the champagne of beers. Oh, wait, no, that's it's, not them. Uh, yeah. No, no, nothing to report it, here. It's, it's it's light spelled with a T. With with an I T E. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. But it's like the mainstay. It's always in my fridge. And uh, anything that's better doesn't last, other than the stuff that I'm actually aging on the shelf that I don't want to tap into just yet. So that's that's it for now. Miller Lite. So, Katie, <laughs> don't feel compelled to bring a beer. We have many guests who bring any other drink that, that you like. Um, but would you like to recommend something that actually tastes like a drink? Yeah, not like Miller yeah. Lite. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a local brewery here in Charleston, um, called coast and they just, they have this Kolsch that's just amazing. Um, so the coast coast Kolsch say that um, five times fast. What right. Heck? Um, it, that's, that's hands down my favorite, but I also like Shiner, um, being yeah. from Texas too. So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen coast around here. At least, at least down here in the south, I, I think I've seen Coast. I'll have to pay more attention when I go in there, but that sounds familiar. Hmm. Let's hope it comes up north. I'll just look yeah. for it. Excellent. Well, with our fortnightly beer choices out of the way, um, let's go ahead and close this down. But before we do that, let's uh, let people know where they can find us. So, um, Katie, where can people find you on the social medias or websites? Uh, my website and the home of Women of Woodworking is ktthompson.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram um, at ktkozar. Um, and then the Women of Woodworking Instagram is at Women of Woodworking. And um, that's where you'll find most of the activity regarding that project. Okay, and Diami, where can folks find you? Um, I can be found at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. I'm on Twitter at Diami Plotke and on Instagram as Penultimate Woodshop. And if you check my Instagram feed right now, you'll see me calling out Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you check that out, notice my comment on that post. Anyway, um, I, I'm uh, I'm Sean Wisniewski um, of the Corner Workshop. If you want to find that old dusty blog that I don't update anymore, um, I'm Sean W78 on most every social media. Uh, so find me there, Kyle. And uh, you can find me at the only social media platform that matters, and that's Instagram at Barton.Kyle. All right, and with that, that just about wraps up our show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this show on iTunes or Google Play Music. 
Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Then you'll never miss any of our exciting episodes. While you're there, leave us a review. And um, thank you for listening. You can always go to modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. On Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. You can like the MWA on Facebook. Please tell your friends because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing. And Sean, I will have you know that I do not discriminate. Uh, many of my friends have no taste in beer also. And the picture <laughs> was taken from the texting uh, group that I have with my best friends from college. It is not mine. Ah. <laughs> with that, uh, sober up, go out in your shop, and make something fun. <laughs>